Thank you so much for that song. Well, that was a blessing. I really enjoyed them and uh, enjoyed the Sunday school hour, enjoyed the singing, and uh, hope you get some of their CDs. It's good stuff there. Well, let's go to the book of Genesis, chapter 1 this morning. Of course, today is Father's Day. Father's Day and. Uh, of course, last month when we had Mother's Day, we went to the book of Genesis and we looked at that verse where it said, she shall be called woman. And we talked about the biblical role of a woman. And they are a very special person. But today we're talking about the men. And we, as I was thinking about what to preach, I thought, what would be a good Father's Day message? I wanted to preach something on manliness. Something on being a man. But you know, it's important that you go to the Bible to get your sermons. You don't try to come up with a sermon and then go to the Bible. And so, I just started reading. And I thought, well, I'll go to the same area. Let's go look in the same area where we got a message, our text for the ladies. And I was reading there, and boy, there was just an outline right there that God put in the Bible. And I'm just going to basically share that with you real quick. I'm not going to go real long. But even though I think this is important because in our society today, now we're, um, our men are becoming very girly, okay, and that's not saying anything bad about girls. Listen, you ladies that are feminine and girly, uh, we've got no problem with that. That's wonderful. All right, you're doing what God made you to do, but um, guys aren't supposed to be like that. And I would say the only thing I can't stand more than a manly woman is a girly man, and it's it's just not good. But it's happening all the time, and you know, girly men. Uh, for lack of a better term, they usually have a lot of. There's a lot of problems. There's a lot of psychological issues, uh, a lot of physical issues. One, they're wimps. Uh, they, you know, they can't. You know, they couldn't fight their way out of a wet paper bag, and you know, they they're just not really good at anything. They're worthless. Uh, I could go on and on. And I got to think, you know, why are guys so girly? I know it's you know it's being promoted through Hollywood. I know you know young kids are having. These Justin Bieber's and people like him being shoved down their throats and saying, "Hey, you know, you got to dress this way. You got to, you got to look like this." And it's, it's turning our guys into girls. Almost every television show they feature homosexual characters and uh, just girly guys that are always the sweet, lovable, funny people, and just they, they encourage that. And it's, uh, it's not good. And God created men. For a specific purpose, and he tells us that what it is in Genesis, and I believe one of the reasons that we are so girly is we're not doing any of these things that God commissioned the man to do. And you know, sometimes you know, a lot of these things here, you know, my dad taught me these things growing up. Some of the things I'm going to be talking about. I've done these things on purpose to my kids, not even knowing that they were biblical. I mean, it is very important to me as a father that I don't raise girly boys. Okay, my girls are girly, and I have no problem with that, and I love that. But boy, I mean, my my boys since they were young, if they do anything that appeared girly, I'd make them start doing push-ups. I mean, just uh, if, hey, if they're going to be girly, they're at least going to be tough girly guys because uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to let it happen. And I found out a lot of these things I was promoting and pushing them to do. Are biblical, and I'm like, wow, hey, you know, I was I was obeying the Bible and didn't even know it, and you know, and my dad, I don't know if he realized that some of these things were biblical, but uh, either way, he did, and I'm thankful. I'm thankful for them. But in Genesis chapter one, verse twenty six, God, He's created the first man, God's completing creation, and God said, "Let us make man in our image, after our likeness." 
And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God created He him. Male and female created He them. Notice how we're made in the image of God. And that shows how special we are to Him, how special mankind is. Listen, I love the animal kingdom. I just went to a zoo this week. And we saw some amazing creatures that God has created. We saw the big giraffes and the elephants and some amazing creatures. But you know what? Man is God's favorite. He created man in His own image. And then God blesses them in the next verse. And God gives us an outline. Something that as men we need to be doing to be fulfilled, to be obedient to God, and to be a man. And it says in verse 28, "...and God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth." And behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree and the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed to you. It shall be for meat. Right here we see the first thing that God mentions in verse 28. He said, be fruitful and multiply. Listen, when I was growing up, you know, my dad always taught me to be tough and taught me to be manly. And I was pretty confident, I guess, in my manhood and stuff. But let me tell you, there was nothing that was more fulfilling to me as a man than when I had my first child. There was just something about being a part of bringing another life in the world. God told the man, He said, be fruitful and multiply. In our society today, they act like it's a curse to have kids. People look at us sometimes, we've got five kids. I don't really consider my family a big family. Uh, when I read the Bible and when we see just what a big families were in the Bible, I don't consider my family to be a big family, but people will look at us sometimes like, whoa. You know, I mean, you guys are like the Duggars or something. We've heard that before and it's like, oh, we're, we're about 14 short of that. But at the same time, people think that it's like a curse. Hey, there's something wrong. I remember when I had, when we had my, our third, or when my wife got pregnant with our third, we were thrilled to death. And I remember at work, the guys at home was like, "Hey, you know, you realize what's causing that, don't you? I mean, what's wrong with you? You know, and I was like, hey, it's like, hey, this is a good thing. Okay, I'm not going to raise my kids like your kids. Okay, I mean, because part of being fruitful and multiplying, it's not just bringing kids into the world, but it's raising those children. It's being a father to those children and being a dad to those children." That's what, and I tell you, that's one of the most fulfilling things that you can do. It's one of the most challenging things that you can do is being a father, being a dad, being somebody that's there for them. And I'm telling you, with children, the more the merrier. Psalms 127, verse three and five, it says, "Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord; the fruit of the womb is his reward." And it says, "Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them." Hey, you're going to be happy when you have a lot of children. There's just nothing like having a big family. And you know, people these days, there's all these excuses. Oh, they're they're too expensive. You know how much they cost? Well, you know what? Man up and figure out how to do it. Man up and figure out how to provide for those kids. My dad came from a family of nine children, and his family, let me tell you, they were poor. They didn't have a whole lot of money. But you know what? His dad, he worked hard all his life, and he provided for those children. He took care of those children. They were his kids, and for years people have done that. And you know what? Back in the old days, all kinds—I mean, people—they had a lot more kids 
than they do now? You probably heard of uh, the Wesley family. Charles Wesley. I was one of his mothers, Susanna Wesley. I believe she had like 19 kids back in the 1800s. How were they able to do that? Not only was she quite the woman, obviously, to be able to handle that, but she obviously had quite the husband too that was man enough to be able to take care of all those kids and figure out how to do it. And you know what? I mean, it was, I'm sure it was tough. I guarantee he wasn't able to afford to provide them all the latest name brand clothes. I doubt they had cable and internet. I'll bet all their kids didn't carry cell phones and all those things. You're saying, well, that's because they didn't have any of those things back then. But you know what? They were a lot happier. And they were able to have the big families. They were able to be fruitful and multiply like God commanded them. And you know what we've done today? We've replaced children with toys. We've replaced children with cars. We've replaced children maybe with vacations and things. And let me tell you, you're not going to get fulfillment from those things. Those cars are going to end up in a junkyard. Those clothes are going to wear out. They're going to become outdated. That All those things, they're nothing but children. Boy, there's nothing more exciting than children. I Just yesterday, I went to the birthday of an 80th birthday party of a man from my dad's church. And boy, he was just so excited. All of his kids showed up. And several of his grandkids and great-grandkids were all there. And just the joy that he had there. Because mainly that family that was there. This morning at my church, he didn't know, he didn't know this, but all of his kids were going to be at my dad's church this morning. And several of his grandkids, there were supposed to be like 40 family members. He was going to be preaching the Sunday school hour. And I guarantee you, boy, he's just... I, I know this man, I guarantee it's probably one of the most exciting things he's ever experienced. You know why? Because those are his children. Those are his grandchildren. You know what? He was fruitful and multiplied and he's proud of those kids. He's proud of those grandkids. I've been over to his house before and he's shown me pictures. Things I've been over to some of your house before and you show me the pictures of the kids. You show me the pictures of the grandkids. And they have something that brings joy and happiness. And let me tell you something as men, we listen, let's Go ahead and have children. Alright, make sure it's with your wife, please. Make sure you provide for them and you take care of them. I mean, these days we got people out there, they think they're manly because they've got all these kids and they're not taking care of any of them. They're not taking care of them one bit. The moms are doing it. And these dads, they won't pay child support. They're not there for them. They don't support them. I'm sorry, but you're not, I don't think you're that manly. God said be fruitful and multiply. You provide. For your family. The Bible says that in 1 Timothy 5.8 that if you don't provide for them, especially of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. That's what the Bible says. Protect your family. You ought to be the protector of your family. You ought to be the one, you need to be the one to keep them happy. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1 to 3. I want to read a passage of scripture there to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Verse 1-3. through Now concerning the things whereof we wrote unto me, uh, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. Men, it's your responsibility to make your wife happy, okay? It's not somebody else's responsibility. It's not the pill's responsibility. It's your responsibility to make your wife happy. And that rendering under her due benevolence, look that up. I'm not going to tell you what it means, but you ought to do that. You can ask me after service. And that's a part of being a man. 
And we need mainly men. Be fruitful, multiply. Keep your children happy. Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Don't provoke them to wrath. You raise them. You take care of them. You, not only are we supposed to just be fruitful and multiply in numbers, but also in the things that we're teaching. I, I, I want my children to go on and to raise families like we are. Families that love God. Families that are serving the Lord. and that uh, Families that are saved. They're on their way to heaven. We need more of that. And so if, if I'm going to be able to teach them those things, I have to be there for them. And we could talk a lot about that, but there's so much more to being a man than just having children. It's about raising them and taking care of them. And God said, be fruitful and multiply. It was looked at in the Bible as a curse not to have children. It was something that they would go and just pray and agonize over, begging God to allow them to have children there. It's a wonderful thing. But also, God tells them in verse 28, He tells them to do something else. He says, subdue the earth. He tells them, subdue the earth. That means to tread down or to conquer. To bring into bondage. To keep under or bring into subjection. We are supposed to subdue the earth. That's part of being a man. You know what that means? We're supposed to be explorers. You know what God told them to do? He said, I want you to go and replenish the earth. I want you to, He got one of them to spread out. If you remember in Genesis, I believe chapter 10, and the Tower of Babel, they were all in one place. They were all together there at the Tower of Babel. They were all of one language in one place. God wanted them to spread out after the flood. They were supposed to go out over all the earth and they were supposed to be fruitful and multiply. They were supposed to conquer the land. They were supposed to subdue it. And they didn't do it. They all stayed at one place and God had to spread them out. We're supposed to be explorers. I thank God for people like Columbus who explored and came and found, discovered America. I'm thankful for the people who came over on the Mayflower. I don't know. I haven't been able to trace my lineage to find out who the first McMurtry was in the United States, but I'm glad they came over here. That had to be challenging. Going to somewhere, maybe on the other side of the world, a place that was unknown, going out into the wilderness that was dangerous. That's what these people did. That's what guys like Lewis and Clark did. They went and they went west. They went out. They went exploring, trying to find new lands to conquer and live. And listen, some of these places were tough. What if they'd have gotten to the Mississippi River and said, oh, that's too much water. We can't get over that. And we never expanded. No, they didn't. Hey, let's make it easier. Let's build bridges. Let's make paths. Let's make roads. Let's do things. Let's pave the way for other people. Let's subdue this earth. We've got roads today now through mountains and through uh, through valleys. All, I mean, we, there's pretty much no place that we can't go. We're supposed to be explorers. And you know what's a good thing for your kids? You know, take them out exploring. Take them out to the national parks. Take them on long hikes. Long bike rides. Try to conquer something. When I, like I said, I didn't know I was following the Bible, but when I was a kid, I, I, or not when I was a kid, but when, when my kids were real little, my boys were uh, just getting big and able to do things, I was always motivating them to try to accomplish things. We've got a picture of Tommy. He was probably maybe three years old. We had him at the park, and they had this centipede thing there that you'd climb up, and he climbed up on top of that thing, and he was sitting up there, and I was just like, you conquered the centipede! And he was just all proud of himself and he's just sitting up there with this proud look on his face on top of that centipede. And I, I took a picture of it. He conquered the centipede. Everything they had there at the playground, we always talk about conquering it. I was like, hey, see if you can go do this. See if you can go all the way across the monkey bars. Hey, you conquered the monkey bars. You conquered this. You know what? It's, doing, it's challenging to just be manly and conquer something. Because you know what guys do these days whenever they're faced with the challenge on the job, faced with the challenge in school? That's hard. 
I quit. I had to walk too much at my job. I had to stand up too much. I quit. I broke a sweat. I quit. I mean, they just give up on everything. you got to teach them to conquer things, to subdue the earth. I mean, go cave exploring. Go swim through streams. Teddy Roosevelt, I was reading a book about him and he was real big on manliness. And I remember reading a story about him that him, while he was president, the vice president, and the members of his cabinet, he got them all together one time. He's like, you know what? We're going out on a hike. And it was during the winter time. And they went out, they went hiking through some of the wilderness, and there was a stream there. Like, we're gonna get across, we need to get across this thing. And they had to break the ice to get through it, and they went through that cold, icy water to get to the other side. And basically, in the book, uh, you know, he was saying, basically, pretty much the reason we just did it was because it's just manly to do that. There was no reason. Again, I mean, can you imagine our president and Joe Biden and uh, all that cabinet going out and doing something like that? Yeah, right. Now, without all, being surrounded by all kinds of secret service, I guarantee every one of them will probably pack in too, just in case you know they came across uh, some kind of wild animal. I mean, that's just what it was manly, and so we're going to do it just because it's manly. We're going to take the kids out camping. We're going to live off the land, even if it's only for a day. Can you imagine in our country if we ever lost our power for a day? Or two days. You see what happens in these cities after hurricanes and things go through, and they go weeks without power. I mean, the people start living like animals. I mean, they just they don't know what to do. I saw a video one time. It was kind of just making fun. It showed all these people there riding an escalator uh, in, a, in a mall or something, and all of a sudden the escalator stops, and they're all looking around, and they all start screaming for help. No, you know, hey, isn't anybody going to come help us? It's, they couldn't just walk up the escalator. And that's how we are. We're so dependent on technology. If cell phone service went out, I mean, people would be going crazy. There would be suicides. There would be looting and rioting. I mean, we are so dependent on these things. You know what? It's a good thing. You know, take your voice sometimes. Just go out in the woods. All technology left behind. We're going to go out and we're going to survive with just a knife and see what happens. And might not go good. Because so, we're not that manly these days. My dad, one time, him and his brothers, they went out to Canada. And they, they went out to this area where they flew them out and they, they landed the plane in the water and they left them out in this area. And they barely took anything because they thought, we're going to live off the land. And you know what? It wasn't near as easy as they thought. And man, they got hungry. And if you ever get them talking about that, it was the worst experience of their life. And I'm not saying they were girlier men or anything, but hey, it's tough. And, it's, and they, weren't, they were not prepared. We're not taught... How to do these things these days? We're not taught. Well, what do I mean? If we don't, except if we don't have technology, we're done for. I mean, people they're not going to know how to cook if we didn't have electricity. If they couldn't put something in the microwave, they would starve to death because they don't know. They don't know what to do. And we ought, we need to challenge our our families, especially our boys, to do these things. He said, subdue the earth, subdue the land. Also, another way you subdue it is through planting and gardening. Hey, there, you know what? There's thorns out there. There's weeds out there. There's stuff out there that causes problems. You know what? We need to conquer that. You know, some people, they can't even conquer their little yard. It's all overgrown. They can't keep up with the grass. They can't keep up with the weeds. I mean, it just it looks like a bomb went off in their yard, this tiny little yard, and they can't even subdue that. And you know, we ought to do that. Thank God that we've got farmers that they've subdued the land, that they've got the cornfields and the bean fields and uh, the orchards and all those places where we get a lot of our food from. And you know what? There would be nothing wrong. I know we can. I know it's easy to go to the grocery store and get the food, but you know what? It wouldn't hurt. Teach your kids how to plant a garden. 
You know why? Just to teach them how to accomplish something. And how to conquer something. Hey, we're going to conquer this piece of ground right here. You see this ground right here where there's all that grass and dirt and rocks and weed? We're going to conquer that. We're going to get rid of all that grass. We're going to get rid of all those weeds. We're going to get rid of those rocks. And we're going to grow food right there. And we're also, it's going to be tough because there's going to be critters and things that are going to come around and they're going to be an obstacle. We're going to have to fight those off. We're going to have to figure out how, we're going to have to figure out how we can fight those things and just challenge them. It's what they've done since the days of Adam. And it's what we're not doing today. And I believe it's why we're just so girly. We're supposed to subdue the earth. We're, we're supposed to use the resources for our benefit. We're supposed, I'm not saying, we're not supposed to just go, I'm not, I'm not trying to talk, I'm not, I'm not one of these green people. I'm not saying we're supposed to go just burn everything down stuff, but we ought to use it for our benefit. If you want some firewood, get out there and chop a tree down. And you know what? Go ahead and use an axe sometime. Why? Just because it's manly. I know a chainsaw is a lot easier. I have a chainsaw. But do it just because it's manly. You know, have your kids go out and teach them out, your boys to chop firewood. Just because it's manly thing to do, and you and use those things. Go out there and use them for your benefit. I mean, we've done that in our, our land. We've, I mean, we've got coal miners that have mined miles and to go and get the coal. I mean, we've got all these. Uh, I mean, all the resources that we have. You know, the, with the stones and with minerals and things. I mean, people have gone and they've conquered difficult places. We've built machines that have been able to make some of these things easier and to get us to places we never thought that we can go. I mean, we've we've gotten to the moon. Why did we go to the moon? Anybody know why? Well, the reasoning? It was there. Hey, that's that's just what you do. We see a challenge and we figure out a way to overcome it. And you know what? Sometimes we just, that's just what we ought to, we ought to do things like that. Find challenges. And then also God said, not only I want you to subdue the land, but He said, I want you also to have dominion over the, well, in verse 26, I want to read it to you. There's a couple of verses. He kind of repeats this one. He says it twice. And if the Lord repeats something, it's not because He ran out of something to say. For emphasis, and God said, "Let us make in verse twenty-six, man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth." And then in verse twenty-eight, uh, God blessed them, said, "Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth." You know, one of the things that we're supposed to do, just because God commissioned us, and it's also a manly thing to do. Train the animals to serve us. We've got guys that tamed horses, wild horses. Why? So they could use them, so they could ride them, so they could get around places, so they could subdue the land even better, get farther, so they could pull their wagons. They took oxen, so they could plow the field. We use animals to get a lot of our food. We milk cows. We raise chickens, so we can eat their eggs and eat them. We're planning on eventually getting some chickens out of our house and I'm looking forward to it. And it's good eating. We're supposed, we're supposed to use them to serve us. We've done all kinds of things with animals to help us out. Well, that's animal cruelty. Making them work. They don't care. Some of these things, they were, they were made to work. I mean, they don't care. You know, you want to talk about cruelty. It's just like we go to these zoos. And if you go to the zoo, I mean, there, if you do something to an animal, I mean, that's ten times worse than doing something to a human. The way they treat the animals there. Alright? But yet, I was there and I was looking at these poor birds. Alright? They're there behind this glass gate. I don't know what kind they were. And they had like a painting on the wall of the ocean and the fish and everything. And I'm just sitting there looking at those birds and they're staring at that wall. 
Thinking, man, I'd love to get out there in the ocean. That's where I belong. I sure would like to eat those fish, but they're not real. And they just the lion that was there. I mean, there's that's the king of the jungle. They're the ones supposed to be going around killing all the other animals and hunting people and everything. And it's just laying out there with nothing to do. It's like you talk about animal cruelty. You know what? They're supposed to be fighting us. That's what they. That's what they like to do. There. I mean, they're predators. And you know what? And we go and we fit, we go out in the land. They've been, we've been out. In the, I've never been there, but man's been out in the jungles. and They find out ways to fight those things off. They find out ways to conquer the land. I mean, we're so weak these days. I mean, we will let a mouse take over our house. But you know, my wife, she'll do the same thing. But then that's where I come along. And you know what? That's what. And we have a cat also. Part of that. We got a cat because you know what? They conquer the mice, and it's just it's part of nature. We're using so we're using that cat to get rid of the mice because those mice they're not going to run us out of our house. Right now in my house I've got ground squirrels that got holes all over the yard. My boys they've been exercising dominion over some of them. I got a groundhog out there that I'm looking to get at. So I haven't won yet so far. He's winning, but I'm going to win. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to rule over that. I'm going to I'm going to dominate. I got a raccoon that's been getting in my garbage. Alright? And you know, that's part of living out in the country. Hey, we're going to figure that out. We got being out in the country, out there by the river, we got a lot of bugs and things. You know, there's things that you have to conquer. There's things you have to overcome. But these days, people are so weak. And even men, I mean, men, they'll stand, they'll jump up on the couch and be pulling their pant legs up when a mouse comes around. Listen, hey, I know it's kind of scary sometimes, but you got to go after those things. There's been many times. I remember one time I got a phone call from my wife, and it, or it was a voicemail. And all of a sudden, I, I, there's like nothing, and then all of a sudden, I kind of hear a little, I hear a scream. I'm like, what in the world is going on? I'm trying to call her, and I'm trying to get her up and get back home, and a mouse, not, not just one, two, was there. And you know what? We killed both of them that night. I dominated. I won. And you know, I'm, I'm, there's been many times when we've had those battles. I remember one time I was killing a mouse and I'm throwing stuff and there's banging things going all over and it's freaking my wife out. She's scared that I finally killed that mouse. And you know what? I did a victory. I dominated. You know why? Because I'm the man. And the critters come around my house. I'm going to win because it's a manly thing to do. My boys one time, they were scared to death because there was some kind of critter that was hanging around our house. I don't, know, I don't even remember what it was, ground squirrel or something. They were scared to death. I remember the, 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 uh, we opened the garage and they kind of just go running through that. I was like, guys, you've got to conquer that. And I remember I made, them go out the, I made them go out in the garage and I made a scratching noise and scared them. They didn't appreciate that very much. Uh, that, that probably wasn't very nice. But you've know, you got to conquer that stuff. Listen, yeah, it's a jungle out there. There's things out there that are challenging. But you know what? We overcome them. And they're scary. First, when I was a kid, I was scared of every animal on four legs. I mean, if it had fur, I was scared of it. I was terrified of dogs. I was, I mean, I, I saw a thing about pit bulls on TV one time and every time I went outside, I was like, hope we don't have any pit bulls around here. And I was always nervous and thinking about what I would do to run away. But we overcame that. Conquer those things. We ought to know how to, we ought to know how to raise animals for food or even how to hunt them if necessary. Genesis chapter 9 verse 1. We see there in Genesis 1 that God said that the plants and everything, that was your meat. But in Genesis chapter 9 verse 1, God, I'm thankful for this verse, God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every fowl of the air and upon all that moveth upon the earth and upon all the fishes of the sea. Into your hand are they delivered. 
Every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you, even as the green herb have I given you all things. But flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, ye shall not eat. God said, after the flood, I'm giving you meat. You can eat the animals. Thank the Lord for that. I love chicken. I love I love hamburger. I love steak. I mean, I I love it all. We can't eat those poor cows. They don't care. They're they're listen. They're so dumb. They don't care. <laughs> yeah, they don't care. They're dead when we eat them. I mean, it doesn't hurt. I mean, it, it, listen. We're supposed to dominate. It's not about being cruel. Okay, we're not, I'm not going to go beating them and abuse them stuff like that. Man, they've got it made while they're on it. I mean, they just live out in the pastures, all peaceful, eating all day, and then they have one they have one bad day in their whole life, just one. And after that, it's over. And we enjoy them for our benefit. God said it was okay. Hey, I'm I'm just I'm obeying the scriptures here. It's mainly to eat meat. Okay, you know my girls if they say you know Dad I want to be a vegetarian or something I'm not going to fight that when they're older. But if the boys do. Alright, we're going on a camping trip. A rough one, guys. Because, <laughs> hey, this is just, it's manly stuff. As men, we're supposed to, we need to do these things. We need to train the next generation. Because of sin, some of these things are very challenging and hard. Hey, it's, it's not easy doing a garden. I was looking at the Chambers Garden yesterday. Man, they got a beautiful one. They take good care of it. Uh, it's, it's not easy. You know why? Because man's sin, God cursed the ground, and it's a challenge. Sometimes you're gonna to have to get out there. You're gonna to have to sweat, sweat. I know. I know. It's no fun. It's part of the curse to sweat. Not necessarily the work, but the sweat. And that, and these things are challenging. But we are made to be overcomers. It's not supposed to be easy. It's just supposed to get done. And really, the greatest things in life aren't easy. It's not easy to have a good marriage. It's not easy to raise kids. It's not easy to be a man sometimes. It's not, these things aren't easy, but we do them because we're men. We can take challenges and we, we invite them. We welcome them. I mean, we've got guys for sports, they like to beat each other up. Why? Hey, you know, we've, we've already dominated the enemy. Now we've got to dominate each other. <laughs> it's just, we've got to find out who's the strongest one around. Why? It's, it's just manly. It's just manly. And we need to encourage that in our young men. We need to live that as an example, especially as fathers. So let's all stand together right now with our heads bowed and eyes closed.